Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. We are here. We have some uh, news to discuss a trade, a rather controversial trade that occurred between the Anaheim Ducks and the Philadelphia Flyers that sort of snuck up on everybody. We'll discuss that in a minute, but we'll start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. All right, so let's talk about fan graphs for a minute because I found something interesting. Um, there was a tweet earlier on um, on, on I just a tweet on X. It's so weird to say. Like, I can't get it in my head. Just say Twitter. Just seriously. Don't. Don't give don't 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 give them the time. You're right. So there was a tweet out there, and it was from a um, a Mets writer, and he was like, I think he had the Mets at 74 wins this year, but based on what Fangraphs was saying, um, he boosted it to 84. And I said, so what? I said just out of curiosity, and I don't know the guy very well. I said, what does Fangraphs have for Luis Severino? How many innings pitched? And you know, and and he, to his credit, the guy on Twitter, he, you know, he showed don't, me the don't, don't methodology. Say, and don't, their, don't say how much. Let me see if I can guess. That's fine. And their whole methodology and everything else. So then he gave me the number. So go ahead, Mike. Tell me what the number is. 105. 144. Okay. That's, I like, that's optimistic. I mean, it's a good run of health for him. But, you know, yeah. sometimes that happens. Well, he hasn't pitched that many since 2018. Now, if you want to say the pandemic year, fine, take yeah. that out. But the last two years is like 110 <laughs> and 98. I don't see how it's getting to 144. So my point is, when I'm looking at a team and trying to figure out, and we're all going to guess it wins, um, I can't be as optimistic with Luis Severino. And Mike certainly can't because he's watched him get hurt every year. He's, I mean, he's got great stuff, but he just yeah. simply can't stay healthy. I mean, the one year, a couple of years ago, you know, he was out until, oh God, I think he was out until September and then they brought him back for the, and like, he almost pitched a no hitter in the final game of the season. I mean, he's got great stuff. He just can't stay healthy. So, right. you know, it, I mean, 144 is top end of the spectrum. And That's, I was saying with these 84 wins, which of course the Mets are guaranteed to be in fourth place in the uh, NL East, how does it rate the bullpen? Because it's Edgar Diaz and a lot of bums. No offense. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, right now the debate in the Yankee world right now is, um, do they spend $30 million on Blake Snell, who has won two Cy Youngs, but in between – the two Cy Youngs, his ERA for over four years has been five, and he's been injured, I think, two or three times. So, you know, you've already got one injury-prone guy in Carlos Rodon. you got another guy, Nestor Cortez, coming off an arm or a shoulder problem. Uh, you've traded half your bullpen and your reserves to get, to get uh, Soto. I want Soto. So, I mean, they're going to have to spend money to get at least one more pitcher. They may go bargain basement shopping, and that, and that might be what they what they end up doing. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, it's interesting that the Mets and Yankees, and by the way, it's Edwin Diaz. I said Edgar. It's like I'm working off three hours sleep like I am. Like last night was awful, awful, and it's running to today. It's caffeine as far as, tea, Russell. Listen, I've on caffeine the whole day, but I've been pumping my basement getting rid of gigantic branches, like it's a day. But There is not mutual interest between the Yankees and Stroman. Stroman wanted to get the Yankees involved in the Yankees. Yeah, I don't think the Yankees want any part of Stroman. And the Yankees ain't signing up, signing up, signing up for the Stroh yeah. show. He's a jerk. The Mets and Yankees did not even go really put in a heavy offer for the secondary Japanese pitcher. tells you that yeah. a lot of teams in baseball, and the Mets are really backing off, but a lot of teams in baseball have backed off since the Dodgers have made their moves like they're and, and the Dodge, you know, the Dodgers also, you know, it, it, it hasn't stopped. 
they signed Teoscar Hernandez to a one-year deal and put a lot bunch of incentives almost. in there. It's like, I mean, it's it's unbelievable how much they're spending. It's almost like they're trying to put together the 27 Yankees, Mike. Yeah, no. The evil empire is now on the West Coast, folks. No, it's still on the East Coast. Yeah, fight me. The Dodgers no, were always listening. When, when they were quiet last offseason, everybody knew this was that this was going to be a possibility that the Dodgers were going to make up right. for basically a year of relative uh, quiet to uh, you know to turning into I don't know they're I don't know if they're printing money. It's not printing money. They're all the money that's getting deferred by them. It's like you don't want to have that debt. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Well, whoever buys the team is going to have the debt. That's how they're going to do it. Yeah, well, well, that's assuming that's, that somebody's going to buy the team. Oh, the Dodgers might. Come on. There's no, 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 no. I'm saying maybe the current owners are just going to keep them. No, they won't. They're, they're trying to win another championship. At some point, this group will sell, and they'll sell for a profit. And then somebody else, because the Dodgers have a great stadium, and they have a built-in fan base, and so they're, you can print money. With, uh, with the Dodgers. There's no question. All right, let's get started. Hello, right. Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. I'm Anthony Magione from Center Ice Philly Magazine. I'm Russ Cohen, and I'm with NHLDraftBuzz.com. <laughs> and plug, plug, plug. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Now, as I mentioned uh, in the preamble, uh, there was a trade that took us all a bit by surprise. It was on Monday night uh, between the Anaheim Ducks and the Philadelphia Flyers, and it occurred. What did it occur just before the game started, or what, during the game? During the game, the game was when it was announced. Early game, it was underway when the announcement, when when yeah. the official announcement that it was that it was done. Okay. Yeah, I got the official text, and it was midway in that first period. And the yeah. principal, the principals in the deal were. Uh, Cutter Gauthier, the Philadelphia Flyers' fifth overall pick in the 2022 draft, who led the World Junior in scoring along with Yuri Kulik of the Sabres with 12 points. Uh, he was traded. The right, His rights were traded because he's a yeah. sophomore at Boston College uh, to the Anaheim Ducks for a defenseman, Jamie Drysdale, and a 2025 second-round pick. Now, uh, Drysdale missed – Almost all of last year with reconstructive shoulder surgery, I believe. Labrum uh, specifically, yeah. Labrum, yeah, the, correct. And uh, he's been, you know, he's played. Um, I don't think he's missed any time this season, so he's. It seems like he's recovered. No, he has. No, I mean, he was out. He had, he had a lower yeah, body yeah. injury. He's got ten game coming in. This will be his eleventh game of the season tonight right. with okay. Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay, so he's missed some time, but yeah. uh, you know, but. You know, everybody, you know, he was when he played two years ago and played most of the season, a lot of people had him rated as a very, a very good prospect, right shot defenseman. Yeah, I had him right third in my final draft ranking. But the the thing about this deal, and we'll start with Russ and Anthony, you go after that. The thing about this deal that just took everybody by surprise is the fact that, you know, Gautier was expected and was being projected as being, you know, a top line. He was moved to center at BC. The, the projections were that the Flyers wanted to wanted imagined him as a center, and that that was the you know, where they were going with him. And now all of a sudden, they trade his rights uh, to Anaheim. Uh, apparently, Pat Verbeek has coveted him since the draft. Tried to move up in the first round to get him, but Russ. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of fruit on this tree. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's always two sides to every story. We really only heard one side. Um, so whatever drips through, like, these, this is not something new. This is not like this has never happened in the history of hockey before. Sure. I mean, Adam Fox, Cal Peterson. I mean, a lot of these teams have lost players like that. And, and we don't even really hear this kind of reaction. So... That's fine. And everybody's entitled to the way they want to feel about it. I felt like certain media members went way over the top trying to, to vilify him. And as a kid, he's a 19, 20 year old kid. I didn't really enjoy that. I don't think I would want that for any, any prospect. So 
But at the end of the day, look, it worked out for both teams in the sense they got good things. It definitely changed the uh, the Flyers' path because now they're going to need a top-line center, and they don't have one. Uh, so, you know, that's that's going to be a little bit of a change. I like Drysdale. I, I said on Lockdown Flyers, I got him on my fantasy team this year. Why? Because I knew people were going to be sleeping on him. And I think people have, you know, for, will remember once he starts playing once in a while now, you know, five, six consecutive games, you know, how good he can be. He is going to be a work in progress defensively, but he's a great offensive player. I think I got him at around 50, 55 points a year. And, you know, he'll be the top guy in the power play. I don't know if he's the number one defenseman. We'll find that out in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not why I ranked him where I ranked him, but I know he's a top pairing guy. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's a valuable guy to have. He's going to help the team. I still say this about the power play, and we'll see what Anthony says. Getting this shot on the power play is helpful. You still have to have somebody in front of the net, and you still have to have a good system. So one guy doesn't usually change it all on his own. So that's going to be the other well- thing. No, I would agree with that, Russ. I'm not one guy, but in terms of, you know, the the one thing we have noticed about Philly's power play, which obviously has been a major problem for them all season, um, is that, you know, of late, and we've seen this happen, obviously, with, with Igor Zamula being put on the power play, the movement is better when you have a competent person handling, a cool head handling the, handling the point. And that's one, been one of the big problems for Philadelphia is the movement hasn't been there, but of late it has been. They just haven't been able, uh, in, in a lot of cases, to finish off the plays. And that's where Russ is, is kind of pointing to is the fact they need, right. in order for the power play, they need someone who's going to be a forward who can who can get in front, who can help to finish the play right. that the other team has to respect. So from the point of view, the one thing I do like here about Drysdale coming to Philadelphia, and, I, and we heard from John Tortorella, they really want him to. They want him to lean into his offensive game early. I think that's probably the biggest way to probably get him comfortable early. I. It's almost certain at this point now that they'll probably have him paired with Travis Sanheim to start the season. I think that is a good complementary skill set on paper, uh, because that now will put less on Sanheim to have to constantly think he has to uh, add offense, whereas in this case he can be more in that support role and be a bit further back in this circumstance. So I think that the, the skill sets certainly balance uh, balance out in that regard. The other thing I like about the fact is, again, you are, you know, Bradshaw has a good reputation for developing defensemen and developing you know, them to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. We've seen them so far, I think, with certainly we've seen a much, a, probably the best version of Rasmus Ristolainen that we've seen in his in his career at this point. He is who he is at this point, but at least they're leaning into what he is at this point, and he's playing right. that role correctly. Um, right. We're seeing it also. I think Sanheim's uh, now that he's kind of gotten things around is also he's up and down. But again, when you have as much ice time as Travis Sanheim has had, there's other players we want to see. On, I want to see certainly on this defense, Zamula. I want to see a little more out of York. But yeah, I like the idea of Bradshaw getting his having his hands on developing the overall five on five ability of Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, if sure. they have I mean, that with that offense put into place, you, mm-hmm. you, you have you, you basically, as Russ knows, what the Flyers have basically done here is swap one issue, which is a right. legit top pairing defenseman for a center where you thought you had that, and now the Flyers right. have to go out and find that now. And that's there's other way, there's different ways to do it, but it's not obviously going to be easy for them. Well, okay, where, where things where things stand with these two players and within the organizations themselves. I mean, I'm glad you said that, Anthony, because that's what I was going to say with the Flyers. You know, there definitely was a need to to add on defense. He's a right shot. He's 20, 21 years old, I believe. He's yep. he's got this year and two more years at two point three million dollars. Yeah, of his bridge contract that he signed this offseason. Yep, right. And then he's still an RFA under control. So you know, it's not like he's they walked him to unrestricted free agency. So that's that's for that's our fortuitous for the Flyers. Obviously, Gautier's not signed yet, so he'll have a three-year ELC when he signs with the Ducks, I would assume, at the end of this year when he turns pro. So, um, And with Anaheim, they traded from a position of strength because they had Mentukov, they had Zellweger, they have Cam Fowler. You know, don't, forget, don't forget Nadu as well. Uh, right. They have an assistant. That, I think in many ways Nadu is – they probably feel – that was when they finally feel like, okay, we're comfortable enough dealing Drysdale because we've got an, we feel like we've got enough to recover in the pipeline. 
Right, and they and they add Gautier in, uh, to the group that they have, you know, Zegers and McTavish and Carlson. You know, they, he doesn't have to play center in Anaheim because they have a lot of guys who can play center. But if if he if they think he's, he is a center, then they go down that road. But really, where the intrigue here is is what led to this, and that's where like we may never know like the what was the cause. I mean, Elliot Friedman did a lot of sort of backlaying of all the information of what led up to this. And from what he reported, it was uh, after his freshman year at BC, Gautier wanted to turn pro. Uh, the Flyers uh, apparently were not willing to offer him a certain package of bonus overage, a bonus bonuses in his deal because it will put it, put them into bonus overage. And this is, okay, here's, here's where I have a problem. You draft this guy fifth overall. You think he's a you think he is a potential star. He wants to turn pro after his freshman after his freshman year, and you're telling him you're not you can't turn pro because of bonuses. That's a big that's a big drop of the ball on the on the part of the Flyers, in my estimation. I mean, I I I, I, I don't know depending what, on where they're at with regards to their overages and where they're at as well. I don't. I don't know, Mike. It's it's certainly it's certainly eyebrow raising. But again, you're also talking about a player that they said literally just a few. And again, we're taking this at the Flyers' word is that only a few only a few months after he um, basically said you know he went from you know being wanting to be a Flyer to not wanting to be a Flyer. Um, I can get. I can kind of understand maybe a little bit of the hesitation for Philadelphia in this circumstance if that is in fact you know. The, the, the track that they were going on and Russ has, all, has spoken, I think has also spoken to, and Russ, you, you can say this is that there's still areas of his game that still need development. Oh, absolutely. He's not a fully perfect NHL. And whether player, or not he was but... ready to do, whether or not, you know, they were willing to do the, whether or not he was willing to do an AHL ATO as well. Yeah, I not, tell you like... Do we know if he wants to, if, if the desire was not just to turn pro, but to be playing for the Flyers almost immediately? Well, I mean, that's, that's what Hartnell said. I, I take him at his word that he did want to play that way. I do think that that's correct. I do think, it, especially this year, he did. And I think that's why the Flyers did try and reach out again and maybe try and rekindle it. But the point is, I don't I know any top yeah. pick that would take an AHL ATO. Nobody would. No. But at the same time, I would also say that. You know, you're also a prospect in this case, and they, the, if that's the reason why he decided that's that, I mean, you're getting NIL money too, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if he has that's any NIL if money. If he's getting NIL money or not, I don't know either, but yeah. that's also a part of it. It just, I, I think there's, there's, I think there's a lot of different layers that play, and this is one of those things, and I'm sure there's areas where Gautier could, could, could have done things better on his end. And I'm sure there's other areas where the Flyers could have done better on their end as well. If that was sort of the the sticking point for them, um, well, again, if he's looking to come into the NHL and they didn't feel like he was ready to go. Well, the two things um, here's the yeah. two things, Ant. The two things that are always the issues of any of these prospects that are coming from college to the NHL on a deal where they know there's bonuses are the bonuses and playing time. And the higher up you are, the more your expectations. And so. That's the whole thing. Now, I understand even if even if you're going to me and say, hey, Russ, is Cutter Goche 100 percent NHL ready? I would say no. But the point is, I also have to keep Cutter, Cutter Goche happy because I think he's going to be a top liner for me in the future. But so I have to but take a hit. But if you have questions about him and the fact I, that he came to you previously. questions that are fixable, though. They're yeah. fixable things. But, you may, but, if you think they're fixable. Yeah, no, I do. I think it's fixable. I'm just saying today – there are some issues there, but I also think if we don't think John Tortorella is a factor in this, then I think we're, we're being silly because. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, here's too. the thing, though. You're going to, as a young player, you are likely going to outlast a John Tortorella. Right. But okay. but, you, but do you really want to have to deal with it? Do you really want to have to deal with it? That's the problem. It's like, I mean, if you're Gautier, I mean, especially like after the then fact. You have to that, question the fact, then, then, then in this case, you have to question the fact that um, if you don't want to deal, I mean, all due respect to Cutter Gautier, you're not in the National Hockey League yet. No, you're not at this point here where you know you you can. And, and this is, but it, but, but like here, an old buddy that he's saying you know you know but, you know put your big boy pants on here. But there's a little bit of that there that you know you sometimes you know if you want to play. 
But again, right. he has the choice to. But again, if if that's where he's hemming and hawing, then that goes back to the Flyers saying maybe if this guy isn't if if he is not well you know, uh, dead, uh, you know, wanting to play for you. There is a courting. I will say this: there's a courting process with every college player you sign like that or draft because yeah. you know in the back of your head, hey, they could always go back to college. Like that's a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and 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 the, this could have turned into, and it would t- it would have been two years down the road. This could have very easily turned into a Jimmy VC situation where he tells the Flyers, "Okay, you you know you didn't want to sign me when I was a freshman. Now now you want to sign me as a sophomore, but now that you're not offering me bonuses, I mean, I don't know if that was the case because we know that Keith Jones and Breer tried to talk to him at the World Junior, and he he avoided he avoided the contact. And you also previously to that, you also have also Patrick Sharp and John Leclaire reaching out to him and refusing to meet with those with meeting meeting with them as well and it was very much more of a in this wasn't a formal thing this was a very informal chat right but there's nothing the, informal when it comes to like, right. trying to hash out no a deal i understand that you know. i understand but again having okay. that that talk or that conversation and kurt, kurt overhart is his advisor and basically you know he came out and said well you know we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about this you know and now that now that the the deal has been done but you know, it may come. It may come out in the future. Yeah, but I mean, all, all I can say is a, a lot of the salacious stuff that we heard, like right after it, about the you know the Kevin Hayes stuff, the, the you know the the comments that that uh, that Keith Jones said about well, if he didn't want to be a flyer, he's not going to be a flyer, and the torch stuff about I don't know cutter from a hole in the wall. The a lot of the a lot of the stuff is really unnecessary. It was a lot. It was a lot it of was a, like, it was it was a moment. I think it was a lot of because I think because this thing had been building up over time, there was a lot of. Here's the thing. They knew how people were going to react. You're trading your first round pick, fifth overall, from 2022. Two years ago, basically. Yeah. Yeah. This becomes, everybody's going to ask the question, why are you doing this? Right? At the end of the day, you're trading, you've bailed. So you have to be in this sort of defensive mode almost in terms of defending why you made this trade and you're going to be walked down certain areas i think in an and emotion does kind of play a little bit of a role oh it definitely that. does let me let me answer matthews here because matthew wrote owen power went back to college for his sophomore season after being drafted number one why was it such a big deal for gotier that they wanted him to go back for another year of development okay they didn't want him to go back for another year of development. They didn't want to sign him because they couldn't. They didn't want to give him the bonuses that he wanted because he was a fifth overall pick. He probably deserved the schedule A and schedule B bonuses. I know the Russ brought up on uh, on was it on Sirius about the the Austin Matthews stuff with the with the Leafs. Not on Sirius on the show this morning, but yeah. it, it's a similar thing in the sense of the bonuses. Like you could tell there was a reason Austin Matthews was not signing with the Leafs, and the issue was the bonuses. And then, like you had told me, and we heard, when Brendan Shanahan stepped in and paid the bonuses, magically he signed. But the difference with this one is, too, is that, again, Scott Hardnell had said on the broadcast that, hey, you know, they, they were saying that Gauthier would probably have to go back to, to BC another year, bone up, get faster, get stronger, and then be able to sign with the Flyers. And that'd be year three, and that wasn't in his plan. Like, he was only going to do two years. He and was not going to do three for anybody. And with Owen Power, remember the year his freshman year was a COVID. It was the COVID year. Uh, you know, it was he right. wanted he want he wanted to go back and play a full year at Michigan. He was 18 years old. You know, I don't I didn't you know I, him going right into the NHL at that point was probably and, and plus he was going to be able to burn the year of his ELC after that year, come out and play six, six or seven games and burn the first year of his ELC. So he'd get his cake and eat it too. So it was, I mean, I, it was, I don't think the Sabres had a big problem with him going back to Michigan for a year. No, but I will say this. The first misstep is the, is the Chuck Fletcher, Fletcher part of this because, you know, he loaded down the cap with certain things. Now that doesn't mean things couldn't have been changed, but he's the one who loaded down the cap in the first place. No, yeah, I you're didn't. starting also, and we also had enough, you know, as we got through the whole reports of, it well, rookie, it was tumultuous rookie GM team looks like in ZK. Now, again, maybe, maybe the, or maybe the, again, you, you get into a circumstance where whoever's advising him saying the flyers look like they're kind of chaotic right now. 
and maybe it's just best to not to not go there and 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 use use with the use the leverage you do have to get you to another place mm. that you might feel is more stable. Now, of course, interestingly enough, if rookie GM was part of the deal, Pat Verbeek's also a first-time GM as well. So, right, right. Yeah. All right. So let's move off that. Uh, Anthony, are you uh, have you reached your destination? Do you have to switch to your? Uh... Um, I just yeah, I'm back at home now, so I'm going to switch now, and I'll meet. You, I'll be on, and maybe a few. I'll be back on in a couple. In a okay, sounds okay. good. Um, Russ, I'll, I'll just talk briefly about the game that I was at last night because I think it's getting to the point now where we have to talk about the Buffalo Sabers and how really they're extremely disappointing. Based, they're on- the most disappointing team in the league. I can't find another one. I I really. Someone asked me recently again. I looked at the standings. I didn't have much faith in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't have much faith in the Coyotes, and they're out playing with any faith I had. Right. I had faith in the Sabers because I'm like, okay, I knew the goaltending situation wasn't perfect, right? I knew that, mm-hmm. but I still was looking at the talent on the team. If a certain amount of it gelled, if the defense was decent, maybe they could get past the goaltending part on a, you know on a split goalie basis. And even that couldn't happen. Now here's a couple, here's a couple things from this game that are really intriguing and maybe speak to what's, what's sort of going on with this team. Um, You know, we know that uh, Tage Thompson had a career year last year, 47 goals. He got the big contract the year before, um, you know, penciled in as the number one center, he had an injury. He blocked a shot um, uh, against Boston in November. He missed five weeks with, I think it was a broken finger or a broken hand, a broken bone in his hand. He's come back. He's got 12 goals in 31 games. Last night, he played maybe two shifts with Skinner and Tuck, the number one line. And Don Granado pulled him off the number one line, moved Casey Middlestat up to the number one line, and moved Thompson down between Zach Benson and Jordan Greenway. Um, he didn't really go into an explanation of why, other than he said he just he didn't like what he was seeing, and he moved Middlestat up. Now Middlestat is leading the team in scoring. He's got. 30, no, he's having a really good year, but they're going to have to make a decision on him. Right, and that you know, that you know, I believe, and I, I haven't heard anything. You know, obviously, it'll all be rumored before March the eighth. They can't afford to sign Casey Middlestead. He's on. Right. He's he's got. One, he's in the final year of a bridge deal. He's a restricted free agent with Arb rights, and he's one year away from unrestricted free agency. And he's leading the team in scoring. And they've signed Dylan Cousins long term, and they've signed Thompson long term. So, I don't know how they sign Middlestead. Uh, and pay him what he probably can get on the open market, which means either now or during the summer, maybe they trade him. But the, so that was one, that was one thing. Um, Devin Levi, you know, played a really good game his last start, um, and last night in the in the contest. Uh, it, I mean, the one was a defensive breakdown that led to Yanni Gord's tying goal after they had dominated the first 12, 13 minutes of the first period. And then Seattle came back and scored two goals in the first, in the first period. And, you know, Buffalo had nothing to show for it. And then he lets uh, a Alex Wenberg, it was a a defensive breakdown again, Alex Wenberg got a breakaway, but two of the five goals were on Levi. They were bad goals. And and again, I mean, I'm not going to dwell too much on it, but, how many times do we have to say putting all your chips down on a 21-year goal, a 21-year-old goaltender who had never played anything more than for North Northeastern and top level of the NCAA? No disputing that. But he played seven NHL games, and you were depending on him to be your number one. I just it's coming back to bite this team because he's a 21-year-old goalie. He's gonna have a bad game. He's going to have a good game. He's going to have a bad game. But when you're life or death right now and you have a 12% chance of making the playoffs, according to Money Puck, you do, you can't have one bad game, one good game. You need good games all along. Right. Um, yeah, it's just it's a tough spot to be in. And it really um, it is eaten away at probably any chance they 
could have at the making the playoffs. You know, I'm looking at the at the cap there, Mike, just a, a quick look. I mean, they could bring Middlestat back, but that just means some of the UFAs don't come back, right? Like Ocposo, maybe he doesn't come back. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Gergensen's doesn't come back. Right. I mean, right there, that's $5 million bucks. That's about what he would be as a center, right, if they're going to keep using Middlestat as a center. If Middlestat takes $5 million on a on – a, He on might. A, you know, I mean, maybe. I, I don't – I mean, he could – if if somebody signs him to a longer longer term deal like you know like the like cousin signed and like Thompson signed yeah then there would be a problem then you're getting into seven million dollar range and you can't have three centers making seven million dollars it just I mean well, you can Mike I mean you can no no that's eleven million not seven million well, yeah we'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> yeah, I was trying, hoping to avoid that Ross but of course. Well, you are never you, you Mike. Have, the minute you hit live, yeah, you are never going to miss. You're, the minute you hit that button and the and thing goes live, in that bucket, I didn't. I didn't step in anything. You just you poured the bucket, the, what was in the bucket, over my head, and, and I and I have like very little uh, you know, insulation up there. Um, so I, I don't like again. I don't know whether they can bring him back. I you know I would assume. You know, Kevin Adams is looking at all eventualities, all different directions with this team. You know, right now, you know, they play Ottawa uh, tomorrow night, and I believe Ottawa's only four points behind them. Uh, Ottawa's a 28. No, no, excuse me. They're, geez, Ottawa's bad. Ottawa's got 28, and the, the, the Sabres have 38. So, I mean, Ottawa's really – Ottawa's on their way to having a top three pick again in this in the next draft. It's They're in really bad shape because you would have thought that um, at least the change in in um, management, the change at the coach, you know, Jacques might have done something for him, and he's doing nothing for him. Like, I hope he's teaching him defense because otherwise it's going to run into next year too. Like, right. they, they do have to sort of wise up and – and realize they're going to have to trade at least one of their good young assets to get something proven to kind of get things on the right track. But they're another team. Again, I don't know how much more we could stress it on this show, but a lot of the teams in the bottom don't have good goaltending. And they had goaltending that they decided not to sit on. They had Gustafson. They didn't sit on him. Like, they, you know had, what I mean? they had Joey Decord, and they yeah, let they him. had Decord. He's the other one. Yeah. They didn't sit with him. So it's like – They've sort of made those mistakes, and now they need goaltending again. <laughs> like, well, let, let, me, let me just finish off on the Sabres. I mean, yeah. Owen Power is having a rough sophomore season. Again, one one game good, one game bad. Um, Rasmus Dahlin, I refer to him as a bigger Eric Carlson, and that's not a compliment because Eric Carlson, as gifted as he is offensively, we know he is challenged defensively and you could say well his offense is his defense meaning he possesses the puck and when he possesses the puck then the other team doesn't have it but when positionally Rasmus Dahlin on the Wenberg goal yesterday is caught up at the red line sort of pinching in and leaves Owen Power by himself and allows a breakaway to go the other way that's a problem and this is a guy who's making 11 million bucks a year so the, there are defensive issues and now we find out today Jeff Skinner, um, who's their leading goal scorer, has got 17 goals. He's got an upper body injury. They don't know how serious it is. They don't think it's serious. But if they lose him, this is a team that scored almost 300 goals last year and now is challenged to score goals. So, you know, things are not looking up for the Sabres. And somebody in the chat said, well, how long do they go with Don Granato? This is the problem. Don Granato hasn't even started his extension yet. He's got a two-year extension that starts next year. Good luck. They're not firing him. They may fire his entire staff. Well, then they need to bring in him. an assistant who, in a pinch, could take the job, but also that is a departure from Don's strategy because Don's strategy is worn thin with them. Like, yeah. it's not it's not working. I mean, well, maybe they can't look at it and think that it, they're on a good path here. Russ, maybe they should have kept Mike Pekka, who was down in Rochester working with their forwards. Instead, he goes to work with Laviolette and look yep. at the effect that he's had with the Rangers. Well, so. That is a good point. Like, that's a guy they had in their deploy. I, I will say this about Darlene because I'm looking at Instat, so I'm looking at some of the bigger numbers. I mean, he does average 24 minutes of ice time a night. Oh, he's, he's not yeah. a lot of, I know, but I'm just saying there's a lot of guys that don't average 
no. 24 minutes. So he is going to make some mistakes when you have him out there for 24 minutes. Like yep. he is. He's following, you know what he's doing? He's following the, the Rasmus Ristolainen uh, blueprint from a few years ago with Buffalo, where he's playing every first power play. He's playing five on five matchup stuff. It's like, you know, you, you have to have other guys doing some other. No, but here's the difference between like him and what you're saying about Risto. Um, 54% of his shots are on goal. That's good. He's taking almost six shots a game. Oh, like that, mean, does, that is an indictment on the offense because his average is six shots a goal a game. And that's a lot for a defenseman, for any defenseman. And he's yeah. winning 61% of his puck battles. I yeah. mean, that's a, that's a high percentage. Yeah. But, so but, that, but, you know. but defensively, I think defensively there, there are issues. I get you. Even hits, he's averaging 1.26 hits a game. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, discount that he has to work on his defense but if they had a better defense he could play 22 minutes and maybe be a little more effective too right all right well let's uh, low-hanging fruit here okay go ahead bash me go ahead right right mike you're not even going to give us a leading you're just going to put up a pinata and expect us to start swinging like come on william neander go ahead russ okay so let's talk about it in these terms I, I was on another show today, and I talked about it from the term of going back to last summer. We all remember where we were last summer. Mike does because Mike kept saying – Mike knows trade. what he did last summer. <laughs> Mike wanted to trade William Nylander, and I did say, mm-hmm. and was for a little while, for that first, you know, May into June, I was like, yes, Brad Living needs to trade him if he's going to because he hasn't signed him, and I get trying to get the assets. Now, True Living told us that the market wasn't there. Mm-hmm. True Living's problem is he should have nailed down the contract then and set a deadline, and he didn't. So then it goes into this season, and Nylander has the best year of his career, and now True Living ends up paying like a million to maybe a million and a half more than well, he would have paid for him last summer. Well, okay. And, and there I, is some sense to that, and I, well, that's I, part I, of the I, problem. But he's worth that now because if he were to keep up this scoring – He'd be a, you know, top fifteen guy in the league. I don't see. I don't think he'll keep it up. But, no, I but I, and I and I would I would agree with that assessment until I heard what what Elliot Friedman reported was that, um, and he was of the same mind. He was like basically, if the Leafs had offered, say, you know, because the talk during the summer was that the Leafs were offering in the high eights or the low nines, and that Nylander's camp wanted wanted eight figures. They wanted ten million a year. Um, he is now of the opinion, and I don't think he got this from the Leafs, that the Nylander camp was never going to sign a contract going into the, or before the season started. They wanted the leverage play because essentially they knew that that deal was there no matter what William Nylander did. Uh, see, like, I'm not. I'm not fully buying onto that. I'm okay. not saying it's. I'm just, telling, I'm, I'm just telling you what he. No, no, I get it. I, I'm not fully buying onto that because there's a big element of risk, even for a player of William Nylander's caliber. That if he steps on a banana peel and gets hurt and doesn't play the first 30 games, he's not getting 11 and a half million dollars. Oh no, no. But if, but what I'm saying no, is, are like, people still stepping on banana peels? I mean, the they used to, Anthony. I don't know if they still do. <laughs> We're what showing I'm, our what age. I'm, what I'm saying, Russ, <laughs> is that he may not have gotten eleven and a half million had he slept. Uh, had he slipped on the proverbial banana peel, but he would have gotten the eight point eight that the Leafs were offering. Because right. The- here's my thing. Right. That's what I I'm think. Saying. If True Living would have offered ten, they would have signed for ten and a half, and it would still be a million less a year than what they're paying now. And I think that's reasonable to think that until we find out otherwise. Right. Well, I mean, this, but Anthony, this is, this is the issue. I mean, mm-hmm. as I said, you know, he's a talented player. There's no doubt. I've never, I've never disputed that he's not a talented player. Uh, my, my issues with him previous to this is that you would get a lot of Dr. Neander and a lot of Mr. Willie like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The good Nealander, the talent, the ability has always been there. The consistency hasn't been. In the last year and now 35 to 40 games, mm-hmm. it has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin and him to go back to the inconsistent player that he had been but, previously. But, now, maybe. But, that, he's also, that, but how old is he? 
Hold that's on, Mike. How old is he? On. That's what they're rolling the dice on. Okay, and how old is he? 27. 27. So he is, in theory, he is now reached. He, he is at. He is in the prime of his career. He is. He's got, got plenty. He's got plenty. He's got. He's had plenty of experience now to learn how to play in the National Hockey League, and and do so. And, and, you know, he's got enough enough years banked at this point. I'm willing. My view on this is that you know it, it, this is the whole fear of. You know, everybody sees the last name Nylander and immediately assumes he's going to lapse and turn into his, you know, to turn into his father, who who could have incredible highs and 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 crash down. Well, I don't know that William is the same as his father. Just because he hard negotiates like his dad does doesn't necessarily mean he's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at it and say, you're going into the prime years of his career. You're going to have him. So it's an eight-year deal, right? You're going to have him. This the prime is probably now between now and age 32 33 so you have him for the bulk of it right that's the hope here if you're if you're if you're if your leafs nation is the fact that you're you know that you're he's 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 now a fully he's now going to be a fully realized package i'll tell you who's happier than me about this deal because at least it made me right um who's happier about this deal is elias Patterson because he's getting 12 a year now yeah, because he's a centerman. He's, he's a centerman. Yeah, exactly. You have the fact that he's a centerman, and even maybe even more than that at this point. He might even get more. Yeah. No, uh, exactly. I mean, they they pointed that the, they pointed out that the probably the even more than Pedersen, probably Miko Rantanen is the biggest fan of this because Miko Rantanen is better is better than Nylander. He's coming up on a deal after next year. And you know he's a power winger. He's gonna yeah. get he's gonna get more than Neander. He's gonna get more than Pasternak. And I don't know, but I don't know if he's gonna get it from Colorado because I don't know if Colorado can afford it. But uh, uh, Timothy in the chat was like, "Where are the Mar- Marner trade rumors?" Um, Timothy, hold your breath because there may not be. This is this is the thing. He's got a no movement clause. Okay, he does not have to go anywhere if he doesn't want to. And here's the here's the thing. If you hold Brad for a living, and I do, I bet you if you hold him to his word, and he was talking about with Neilander once Neilander signed the contract, he's like, you know, talented players are hard to find, and when you have talented players, you keep them. Well, that means you're keeping Mitch Marner. And Mitch Marner oh, is Mitch Marner's name though, so that's a GM way. Of no, sitting. no, no, he, did. he didn't. But 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 you can. But uh, Russ, if if but this you, is a typical if, Anthony knows, this is a typical kind of go around the perimeter by saying something like that. Listen, the Mets said Pete Alonso will be there to start opening day. He will. Will he? I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to say this right now. We're going to, as much as might not like this person, but I'm going to say it anyway. Stephen Colbert coined it the best: truthiness. Yeah, that's what GMs basically do. Right. Truthiness, but but, but uh, true. And you, how, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know a GM and a lawyer are lying? Their lips, they're moving, are, their lips are moving. Yeah, exactly. But 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 I'll just I'll just. Well, they're that. not lying. They're going to tell you that technically I'm not lying to you. It's right. just. But but the cynic- what I told you was true from what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Going all Obi Wan on you now. But right now, this the scenario is is next next July. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he him and Tavares come up for uh, they're eligible to sign contract extensions. Everybody expects, and I think it's reasonable to expect that Tavares would probably sign an extension at significantly less than the eleven million that he's making right now. Probably, I'd say reasonable would be five to six million. Maybe maybe a little more six and a half whatever. I mean, I'm not negotiating for John Tavares. I'll let his agent do that. But if it's any more than that, I don't know whether the Leafs are keeping him. Um, that Marner at the same time will be looking probably to get in between what Nealander's making and what Math- Matthews is making. So the problem is, even if you do that, even if you're giving away for, uh, taking from Peter to pay Paul, you still have to pay and sign defensemen and goaltenders and that's preventing them from doing it and so yeah, it, it, it's, i will tell you this mike the chat or room develop is, your own there's a thought but again you guys already moved off all those picks so. right the chat room is talking about you know maybe stamkos goes to toronto but the problem with that one is how old do you want this team to be like even if even if marner's there and let's say you're deciding between Tavares and stamkos i'm the biggest stamkos guy I'm still going to keep Tavares where he is because of what he yeah. means to the team 
and all the other things he does on the ice. Yeah. So that's we a, can't that's a, make this lineup that much older. You got Giordano who's going to come in on a wheelchair next year. That's a moot point because Stamkos is a UFA next July. Tavares is a free agent the following July. So okay. they would overlap. Well, no, but I mean, if they were to sign Stamkos, they might have the designs on letting old John go at some point. Or if they're trading, and not come back. Or if they're trading Marner, that Stamkos is a is a temporary. Right, but I don't think that's the way they should roll on that because I think the odds are against them on that. And Stamkos still is a great shot, no question. Let some other team take him who's got a younger nucleus. Don't you take him where you already have your older the, the Leafs are young in the core and old around the edges. And right, because they can't because they can't afford and afford right. young players around the now, right. now this this is the and and it'll be fascinating to watch what happens next July because the only way if they announce a extension for Marner and an extension for Tavares and keep the band together and move the move the money around a little bit they're going to have to basically do what the Rangers did this year and find two or three or four veteran guys who will come in like Benino and Wheeler and Quick. They all took less to come in and sign with the Rangers. They're going to have to find three, probably three or four of those guys to come in at less than a million dollars. It's hard to probably, do that, though. It it's, is. it's tough to it's tough to do that. Maybe I mean, it's not impossible in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, pro you're probably going to have to re-sign, you know, the savior Martin Jones at a million bucks or something like that and spend $2 million on your goaltending with Joseph Wall making less than 800000 You can't afford to do anything else if you sign all these guys and bring them and bring the band back together. So I will I say this, Martin Jones's agent should thank the Flyers because if the Flyers didn't stick with him as much as they did last year, he would not be getting paid this year and beyond. No way. His yeah. his value was way down before he started getting a lot of those games in Philly. And then, yeah. you know, it helped it helped um rehab his image. Yeah, yeah, no. I know. Um I, I'm I'm asking for some questions in the chat, but I wanted to touch on this because I saw the the um somebody say put the it put in our DM the uh the it was sort of a little meme uh on X uh involving Pierre Luc Dubois. No, involving oh no no it would have to be me to do it and then it'll probably pop up here any second but we, we found out uh anthony that the th the thumbs up thing it's mm -hmm. something it's something on our computer on the apple computer on his apple computer yeah, so if i do this or this it'll pop up eventually i you know don't yeah you know i i don't know and recognition i mean what is this yeah it's no, like it's called it's something else somebody reactions, it's called reactions i don't reactions. know how I, I don't know I'll have, to, I'll have to dig through my computer mm. and find out how to disable it because i don't like getting the thumbs up from somebody other than myself um okay so you need the pat back emoji <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah there you go but um pierre-luc dubois um traded Talk amongst yourselves, Pierre Luc Dubois. <laughs> Traded for Ayafalo and Kupari mm -hmm. and uh, um, uh, Velarde. Grand Slam home run for Winnipeg because they got a guy yep. who didn't want to be in Winnipeg, and and yeah. they uh, and and LA got who they wanted, and Winnipeg got what they wanted. It's worked out well for Winnipeg as they're at the top of the top of the league standings right now. And yesterday, or whatever the last game was for the Kings, Pierre Luc Dubois was on the fourth line. And I asked, I I asked Russ this. It's like, okay, he's drafted third overall by Columbus. Mm -hmm. Played very well for them, but it was mm -hmm. always, you know, he played. They moved him to center in junior because they wanted him to be a center. He didn't want to be a center with the with with, with Columbus, but he kept him there anyway. He was mm -hmm. good at it. Mm -hmm. um, then, then, then he basically told him he wasn't going to sign there. So they traded him to Winnipeg for line a, and then Winnipeg couldn't get him signed. So they traded him to LA and now he's not playing up to what they want. And he's now playing the fourth line. They're, they're giving, giving him a, a kick in the ribs. I mean, I don't it's all know. over, Mike. It's all over. Just tell at me. A, to hang, to hang no, but at, a certain, at a certain point, you have to wonder what the hell's wrong with this guy. Everybody's got different personalities and everybody's got different, you know, listen, this is three stops now where he's kind of 
not played to expectations of the team that's that that that's and but he's you know wanted to move and going to different places and sometimes at a certain point got to look in the mirror you know at the, and ask yourself you got physical talent you got the ability to, you know abilities um but he's in, but he's he's inconsistent he just is the he's, he's always tantalized people with his talent but you know that's if you're for a team like LA who wants to compete for postseason berths and Stan, and Stanley Cups you need, you know, when you make a move for a guy like Dubois, the expectation he's going to be, he's going to be setting the tone in some manner. And if he's nothing, you know, and maybe this is going to be a good thing, you know, maybe you get, you know, mm-hmm. playing on the fourth line for him, maybe he finally does. And again, playing on a team that is a cup contender as LA is, you know, maybe in Columbus, again, they're kind of a periphery team, never quite in it. Winnipeg, you know, up until this year, kind of maybe a more maybe viewed more as a periphery team, maybe was as motivated. You're going to LA, team that they, we most people are thinking good team, chance to, to to run for Stanley Cup. You're still not doing it. Now it's you. You right. can't really say it's anything else. Yeah, McClellan is not going to take any. Gun. He's not going to take it. He's exactly he's got like Kopitar in the room who is not going to let you slide about anything. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is you know this, at this point now, P, you know PLD's got to look at it and say to himself. You know what is it that I want? I mean, do I want to do, do I want to be on a team that's winning that has a chance to win Stanley Cup? You got the contract. You got what you wanted. All right, uh, lightning round quickly here. Two questions in the chat. Mm-hmm. Do we expect the trade deadline to be busy or quiet? Busy. I think it's going to be busy. It'll be busy. Anybody's yeah. doing anything? Yeah. Or the deadline. The Flyers deal was a different kind of animal. Yeah. I think it's going to be busy. It's going to be a lot of a lot of little deals because there's not much cap space out there, and I don't know. Again, we have to look at it as to when the trades. If we're saying deadline, deadline, are we right. talking about the window of two two to three weeks beforehand yeah. right. or compressed? So right. not deadline day because deadline day. That's you know, always the. Tw- it's at that this point now. It's always the the, the, twe- the, the, the tweak yeah. here, the tweak here. I'll throw you, a, you know, I'll throw you a sixth in twenty twenty six for. Right. Yeah. Your UFA, your soon to be right. UFA. Right. Uh other one, does Eisenman move Patrick Kane at the deadline? Yes. No. Mm, I'm not sure. That's a tough one. Um I don't think Detroit's gonna be in the race. So it comes down to where you think Detroit is. If Detroit's trying to push for postseason, but I, I will think? say it like this. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna be in the race either, but if he trades them, he's not getting them back. And so if if right. Iserman did have some sort of designs with Kane, like, hey, right. does Kane have player? value to that younger team? Correct. Beyond just the offensive Which stuff I think in this is case. Part of the reason he wanted him. I think it's the, again, and then we've seen this before with Detroit, where they brought in guys, especially on their blue line, veterans right. on their blue line, who have eventually who have played, you know, who, who helped kind of impart lessons. And they may look at it and say, having Kane's expertise and his years of experience. With their younger forwards, they may see value in that respect, Mike. Okay, last one. Uh, how much do the Flames sell? So that means the three Lindholm and the Flames is the thing here. Yeah, <laughs> of the three, of the three, I think two are getting traded. I think Tanev for sure. Yeah, and Lindholm for sure. I think there's I a think all three are getting traded. Okay, all three. That's it. You think we we'll say again, Mike? I mean, I'm sorry, Russ. I think they're all getting traded. And I think they're all biding their time. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if if the Flames are smart, they sell them off when the when they feel like they have the best deal. It doesn't matter the time because if you have all three waiting at the deadline, it's not a good place to be. Nope. I agree. All right. Great show, guys. We'll be back. Uh, we may actually be back tomorrow. Um, we'll keep you updated. But um, for Anthony Mangione, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz. It's just hockey. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.